Looking to live stronger, longer, and better? Then welcome to Health by Design, hosted by leading healthy living expert and wellness architect, Roar Alexander. After years of traveling and studying around the world, Roar combines his decades of Western health and fitness knowledge with the many time-driven traditions and secrets of the ancient East to bring you only the best in cutting-edge information and special guest interviews that will have you feeling great, losing weight, and finally grabbing a hold of everything you want out of life. So if you're ready to take control of your body, health, and mind, then it's time for Health by Design. Welcome, everybody, to Health by Design, a podcast for busy men and women 30 and up who are looking to lose weight and start living stronger, longer, and, of course, a heck of a lot better. And you want to do that in easy and efficient and effective ways, of course. Now, for those of you that might be new to the Health by Design podcast or didn't know this, I also have a YouTube channel that is filling up very fast with tons of great videos on a huge range of topics covering wellness, exercise, healthy home design, better travel, lifestyle, you name it. So check that out. Just go to YouTube, type in my name, Roar Alexander, in the search box and check it out. Now, this podcast, for those of you that are tuning in, is not about getting to rip six-pack. It's not about doing a bunch of tricks and a bunch of BS, eating tuna and bananas. This podcast, yes, you can get in shape listening to this podcast. Yes, you will get healthier, but you're going to be not only living healthier, but you're going to be living so much better. And that's the point of this podcast. That's why I rate, I do a huge number of topics when it comes to health, because we have, of course, my Bagua of Health. And that means just your eight areas of health. It's basically a term taken from uh, feng shui, even though... I kind of already came up with these eight before I even knew about feng shui. I didn't actually have a term for them, but I really like that term. And there's so many more aspects to health than just, you know, what people think of. So when we're talking about health, right, especially on this podcast, we're talking about daily movement, not exercise, but daily movement. We're talking about sleep, of course, nutrition, mindfulness, stress management, your mental set. Um, we're talking about connection, social relationships, extremely important, right? One of the most important things that correlated all the people that live the longest, they, they look at all these different, do they exercise, do they eat this, do they eat that? What's a special superfood? No, it's just being connected and having great relationships. Of course, having dreams, passion and purpose is a big one. Exercise, yes, of course, you're in there. And then personal development. So those are kind of my eight areas. And what are they surrounded by? Well, Right in the middle is your environment, right? Because your environment matters. So you can look at it as an environment surrounds the eight or environment is right there in the middle, radiating out to the rest. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what this podcast is about. Now, don't forget, if that sounds really cool to you, you can also check out my Stronger, Longer, Better Today masterclass at my website at www.roaralexander.com slash VIP. And this is packed with great information that I share with all my coaching clients around the world. And of course, speaking about my coaching clients, you can also, while you're there, you might as well just check out my two exclusive 12-week coaching challenge programs. Now, for men, we have the men's muscle and mind transformation. That is for you dudes that's over 40. And for the ladies over 30, my very cool, very unique women's turn back time transformation challenge. You might be saying, helpful. what do I get with these programs? I hear about these, there's all these fitness transformation. This is not a fitness transformation program. So don't you even say the word fitness transformation program. 
they go so much deeper. So let me just give you a quick outline of what you get in my programs. You get private weekly one-on-one coaching calls, personalized fitness program, of course, your best life, health, and fitness PDF book, mini home workouts for flexibility, and core, what I call mini primes, basically, all taking only about 10 minutes. Of course, there's nutritional guidance. I mean, you can't, you can't have a transformation program without nutritional guidance. There's no point. Masterclass videos covering some of the great topics um, that relate, especially, you know, when it comes to your health and fitness, the stuff we just got to understand, things we got to learn program specific supplement guides what does that mean well if you're a guy over 40 and a lady over 30 you need different supplements there's a few that are going to be the same but hey you you need some different stuff let's be honest like come on now Uh, accountability lifestyle action trackers and workout log stress reduction sessions with my wife who happens to be a yoga certified teacher trained by the way in india Founder of Ahina Yoga, which is a really cool mix of traditional Indian kind of Hatha yoga plus Thai yoga, Rusitathan. In case you didn't know, yes, a lot of countries in Asia have their own versions of yoga. In fact, Tai Chi, Qigong, all that can all be related. It's roots back to yoga. And of course, she's also a Thai bodywork, which a lot of people just call Thai yoga massage, uh, master teacher, master instructor as well. And you, all my programs, you get exclusive gift kits that are packed with great tools to help you on your weight loss and fitness journey. But now check this out. If you happen to be in the Vancouver area, meaning you're living around me, my programs can also be done in hybrid fashion, meaning some in-person coaching sessions at my clinic and gym and your choice of either online private yoga sessions, like I already said, or check this out, in-person Thai bodywork sessions with my wife in our clinic office as well you get hard copies of all the stuff that you normally would just get in pdfs you get hard you don't have to print it all and they come really cool so if that sounds good to you then set up your free call we can do skype zoom old school phone facetime i don't know whatsapp calls i mean there's so many ways to communicate with people nowadays so it's not that difficult but let's get on to today's podcast enough babbling roar holy cow bro you've been babbling now for five straight minutes today's podcast is better exercise and this is something actually i was working on it as part of a lesson from my coaching program that is the truth Um, and i was like you know what this information is just so good that i really wanted to just share it with the listeners i've been meaning to get around to doing one on better exercise so i said hey you know what I am going to take this uh, one particular audio clip that is for that my coaching clients get as part of their uh, kind of their masterclass lessons, and I'm going to just turn it into a podcast. So, hope you guys really enjoy it. Uh, cover some of the most important aspects, and of course, when it comes to exercise, you know, there's there's a ton more stuff we can go over, but this is kind of the real important basic stuff, the stuff that a lot of people do wrong. Now, in my coaching programs, of course, you even get more. We talk about the three physiological ways muscle grows. We got the, you know, we talk about the five ways to train for muscle. We talk about knee and lots of stuff, right? But this is a really good just kind of overall umbrella into how to exercise better. And if you take what I'm teaching you in this podcast, this episode, and you apply it into your life, into your training, you are going to get much better results. So saying that, guys, let's just jump straight into it. Stop babbling. And let's get on to better exercise. So like I said, we are talking about better exercise And when it comes to exercise, like I mentioned, we are going to be talking about this from a strength point of view first and then carrying on. Uh, Because I would say 
Uh, there's a lot of mistakes people make. A lot of people, probably most people that go to the gym, I can honestly say do not get the results. Most people do not get the results that they went in for specifically. So they never actually reach their full potential. Then you have, so that would be the most people. That's probably about 80, 90% of the people. Then you have the people who start to get there. Uh, maybe they get about 50% of the way there, 60% of the way there, and just kind of stalls. And then you also, however, have kind of that big collection of people, probably, I don't know what the percentage would be, let's call it 25%, who really don't get much of an effect at all. These are the people where you're like, they kind of, you know, you see them year after year after year, they're still looking the exact same. Defeats the purpose, really, of going to the gym. Now, obviously, the going to the gym is not just about the way you look, but it's a big part, and the way you look really does come down to, it's a reflection of what you are doing while you're at the gym and what you're doing after the gym, if your program and if everything around your program, if your lifestyle and exercise being a part of that is working really well or not. So I'm going to be talking mostly about strength, muscle building, uh, because there's a lot of problems, just a lot of ways that we can make it better. And that's what this was about. That's why this particular, um, you know, this, this, this lesson is called Better Exercise. And then we'll talk about cardio, how to get into it. And like I said, at the very beginning, there's a whole bunch of different stuff we're going to talk about. So first thing I want to talk about is strength. And I have um, about nine or ten points here. I think it's nine. And I'm going to go over. I'm going to assume for the most part, we're going to the gym two to three, maybe four days a week. Now, one of the biggest mistakes you'll see a lot of people make, and I don't want to just say newbies, but a lot of people in general, is the old bro splits, the old body splits, you know, chest Monday, back Tuesday, maybe Wednesday off, Thursday, shoulders and arms. You, you get the idea, right? Friday's legs. The studies and just generally, when you even just see clients and you give them that program versus the program I'm going to talk to you about, dramatic and drastic differences. And that's because hitting at body parts Really, to get the best to get the best effects in your muscles, you need to be hitting a body part pretty seriously more than once per week. You just can't do a killer chest workout and then not do it again for another seven days. You're just not getting that muscle enough stimulus to really create a change in that one day, one hour. You think about that, right? You have let's see, we got what you got twenty four hours in a week, seven days. Uh, in a week, so 24 hours in a day, I should say, seven days in a week. So that's 168 hours. You take that one divided by that 168, right? That's only 0 0.0059, so 0 0.006% of your week. And you're hitting that one muscle group for one hour that one time. Just not enough. So the first thing we want to do for better exercise is focusing on total body workouts. That means when you go into the gym, you are going to be going, when you're weight training, you are going to be focusing on hitting all the major muscle groups in that workout. So you'll do a chest, a back, a shoulder, and a legs. Now, here's the thing. You're not going to be doing like three chest exercises, three back exercises, three or four shoulder exercises, three or four leg exercises, because that's what people do, right? They usually go on a Monday, it's chest day. Okay, I'll do bench, then I'll do incline bench, maybe some decline, then I'll do some flies. No, you'll pick one. You're going to do one chest exercise on this day. So let's say it's Monday. 
We're gonna do bench press. We're gonna do some rows. We're gonna do some overhead dumbbell presses. And we're gonna finish with something like the leg press or some weighted walking lunges. Now, you come back on Wednesday, let's say you're doing a three day. You come back on Wednesday, you might do incline bench press or even dumbbell press. The exact chest exercise, you know, you don't want to repeat the same one again and again. So you just don't want to come in Monday, Wednesday, Friday and constantly do the same routine because that's no good. You don't want to mix it up dramatically, but let's say Monday was flat bench. Tuesday, it's going to be incline bench. I'm oh, sorry, Wednesday. And then Friday, you're back to maybe benching with the barbell again or maybe using dumbbells instead. So small changes like that. But you're going to be doing a chest, a shoulder, a back, and a legs within that workout. And that is what's called a total body workout. Now, if you have time after or if you can try to squeeze it in, a little bit of arms, you know, a tricep and a bicep. Again, not blasting the arms with three different bicep workouts and three or four different tricep workouts. That is old school bodybuilder science based on the use of extremely high anabolic steroids. What I'm talking to you about is science based on non-steroids, non-highly anabolic injections into yourself. So the hitting a muscle group two times or even three times a week is going to get you much better results. So the Monday I said like leg press, maybe Tuesday is going to be a squat, uh, sorry, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Friday could be a deadlift, right? So you got a leg press in there, you got a squat in there, you got a deadlift in there. Could be a lunge, whatever you want. Now, if you have time, you want to, sure, do two exercises for the legs if you want. And the way I like to do it, and I'm not saying you have to do it this way, but I like to do it like this. I'll do a full body, and Monday will be full body, upper emphasis. So I'll start with, say, the chest press, right? The, the chest. Wednesday is a total body, lower emphasis. So that might be a squat day. So on the Monday, I might only do uh, something like, Leg press, because there's not a lot of skill involved, not a lot of thinking. It's pretty straightforward. Um, you don't have to get warmed up a lot for it, because it doesn't require nearly as much mindful attention and priming as, say, a back squat or front squat. But Wednesday, we'll be focusing on squats, so you'll kind of do a majority of your energy at the beginning is spent on the lower body. And then you would do, you finish up with your upper body. And you, maybe you'll do it like this. Maybe you'll go legs, back, chest, shoulders, or legs, back, shoulders, chest, and finish with the chest because you started with the chest. So just kind of focusing kind of up and down a little bit and focusing, okay, well, you know what? I don't always want to start with chest. So why don't I start with a back and then a chest? And then on Friday, again, you could go back to an upper body and then upper body focus with a lower. Or you can say, okay, I'll do deadlifts. I'll do another lower body focus. So you can do total upper focus, total lower focus, total upper focus, and then on Monday again, total lower focus and work like that. I think that's the best way to go, but it's really up to you. But the point is of this point one is total body workouts. Now, point two leading, and this goes back to point one, is what kind of exercises was I just talking about? I was talking about compound movements, compound exercises. Those are the bigger exercises that work bigger muscle groups and work more than one joint. So 
when you go in and you're going to be doing total body, like I said, squats, compound movement, bench press, incline press, compound movements, overhead presses, compound. So that was the opposite of a compound. That's isolation movements. That's where only one joint or really one muscle group is being focused on. So that's something like a bicep curl, a tricep kickback, a leg extension. So for instance, if you're doing total body, you could do it completely kind of wrong by going, okay, I'll just do some, maybe some chest flies followed by, I don't even think, I don't even think there really is a back isolation exercise, but let's just say for your legs, you just did a leg extension. So just working the quads, um, shoulders, maybe just did some lat raises, side raises. That would be a very ineffective workout because you're working much smaller muscle groups and much smaller joints. You're not going to get nearly the calorie burn. You're not going to get nearly the muscular damage done. And you need muscular damage in order to, the recovery process is to repair. So you want to focus on those big compound movements. So squat for legs, that's squats, lunges, deadlifts, step-ups, right? For chest, that's chest press, incline press. That's those big pressing movements with barbells or dumbbells, doesn't matter. For back, you know, pull-ups, rows for overhead for shoulders you know presses um yeah, definitely overhead presses to a point some i get some 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 big power like more like an upright an upright pull um versus say something just like a shrug a shrug just kind of hitting the trap but an upright pull is going to be hitting more but you get the idea right more than one joint is moving and you're using much larger muscle groups and in most of those exercises you have different parts of the body. Like when you're doing a chest press, if you're doing a proper, right, you got your feet pushing the floor, you're engaging the feet, you're engaging the glutes, you're engaging the lats. Same thing with the back row with, let's say, uh, with the barbell. You're going to be holding the bar and you get, you know, your back, lower back's going to be stabilized, your, your legs are going to be firing. So you're just working a lot more of your total body through compound movements. So those are the first two total body workouts. And in those workouts, focusing 90% of your effort on compound movements. Now, number three, and this is the one that gets people a lot, is not understanding how slow muscle grows. Because nobody talks about this. You know, whenever people come in, they're always worried about, they're always talking about fat loss, fat loss, lose weight. How quickly can I lose this 20 pounds? How fast can we lose this 30 pounds? And, you know, we have a very simple formula in the fitness world. It's about one to one and a half pounds per week. If everything's going really good, you got the nutrition plan, you got your steps going in, which we'll get to that a little later. But long story short, one to one and a half pound per week is good for fat loss. Now in muscle, that is a much more difficult tissue to work in the opposite direction. It means getting it to grow, right? With fat, we want it to go down. Muscle, we want it to go up. And that is about one to one and a half pounds per month. And that is with a great training plan. That is with great recovery. That is with great nutrition. So if you want to put on 10 pounds of lean, let's say you want to put 10 pounds of muscle on, you are looking at anywhere between seven months to even about a year. We can round it off at, right, for 10 pounds. Maybe, let's say if we go by my formula, that'd be about seven to 10 months to put on that muscle. So... 
when you see people, a lot of times they want muscle to grow. They'll, they'll increase their calories for, you know, usually it's a very short time. They increase it. Then they get start worried. They're going to get fat. They lose the definition because that's going to come because you have to have a calorie surplus to build the muscle. And then they cut back. Most people don't give muscle gaining more than a few weeks, maybe a month tops, right? They call it, you know, I'm doing a one-month bulk. Well, one month not going to do anything. Now, you want a clean bulk, which means you want to make sure, let's just say for interest sake, 2,000 calories a day is where you need to be to stay exactly where you are. So when you look in the mirror and a month from now, if you eat 2,000 calories a day, you will look no different, period. You want to lose fat, then you would subtract some calories from that, right? Equal in 3,500 a week, roughly. So that'd be, uh, what's that, 14,000. You subtract, we'll just say 3,000, puts you down to 11,000 calories, with muscle gain, it's going to be the opposite. You could okay, I'm 2,000 calories a day to stay the same. I don't want to go up in muscle, so we have to do the opposite. Maybe we add that, you know, two or 3,000 calories. So you have to do that for a significant amount of time when you want to grow muscle. But again, a lot of people do it overboard, right? They just go crazy with the calories, and that's when they just put on more fat than muscle because the fat will build on quite a bit faster than the muscle if you're eating just too many calories. So it's that fine balancing act. But it long story short is muscle takes a long time to put on. So when you decide to, you know, bulk and bulk properly, you're going to be in that for at least 6 months, maybe more. So just keep that in mind. Understand how just freaking slow muscle literally does grow if you are not on anabolic steroids, testosterone replacement therapy using that sort of stuff. Now, number 4 is and this is again this is coming to set performance, and that is understanding and focusing on the three different phases of a lift. Now, I'm not going to go into if you're trying to develop power, you do this one, you do all that. It's complicated, but not it's complicated, but it's, just, it's not in the scope of what we're talking about here. So you have basically three phases when you're lifting anything, and I'm just going to use a bicep curl as the easiest example. So when your arms are hanging to your sides, they are dead to your sides, the dumbbell is down, you know, beside your leg. And you start to bend your elbow and you're raising that dumbbell up by your elbow to your shoulder. That is called the concentric phase. The muscle is getting shorter. That phase, the concentric phase of any exercise should be done obviously with good technique, but that phase, that one third of the exercise should be done as fast as you can. Think of it as power. So I want you to kind of as fast as you can rip that dumbbell up to your shoulder while keeping your elbows tight to your sides. Okay, so that's the concentric phase. Now, the next two phases are where people screw up. So phase two, and this is where almost everybody screws up. And that is the isometric phase. That is the phase where the Muscle is no longer moving, yet it's still firing. So in the bicep example, when the arm reaches that top position, the elbow cannot go, cannot go any further. That dumbbell is basically touching your shoulder, near your shoulder. You will hold that and you will squeeze that paused position for at least the count of one Mississippi. Okay, that's it. Just one Mississippi. But people don't do that. They just, they rip it up. They, it's like instantly goes back down, right? There's no isometric phase at all. 
Then on the way down, soon as it starts moving back down, that bicep muscle is lengthening. That is called the eccentric phase. And that is the phase where you want to be going slow. Now, not like 10 or 20 seconds slow. You could do it, but probably three to five seconds down. A good rep is what I call a one, one, four. It's a pretty good tempo. One, one, four, almost like a one, one, four, zero, one, one, four, one, which I'll talk about in a second. So one second up, one second squeeze. And we're talking Mississippi. So one Mississippi up, one Mississippi hold, one, two, three, four, Mississippi's down. Then we got this kind of different, you got two different options. You could do a zero hold at the bottom where as soon as you lock out, you come back up again. Or you could actually do a one second tricep squeeze at the bottom because the tricep's going to be activated there a little bit. That, that choice is yours. I leave that one up to you. If it's easier for you, just do a, a one, one, four, zero. As soon as it gets down to the side, boom, slam it right back up again as fast as you can. Repeat the process for however many reps you got. So let's look at a back squat. Bars on your back. You are going to lower yourself down. Four, three, two, one. Sit in that bottom position for just a second. Okay? Then as fast as you can, power yourself back up. And again, up here now, squeeze the glutes at the top for one second. So this is going to be a four, one, one. Right? So four seconds down. One second hold, one second up, one second squeeze. So four, one, one, one. Bench press, it's four, three, two, one down. Hit the bottom, push it up as hard as you can. Squeeze it for a second at the top. So that's a four, zero, one, one. If you don't want to end the squat, if you don't want to do that one second hold, that's fine. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to be bouncing out of the bottom. And by going slow, you're going to take out that bounce, which is a little bit of cheating. It's going to just force those muscles to fire. And you're not going to be using the, the elastic potential of the tendons in your legs to bounce it back up. You're going to be taking out that cheat, which is kind of the, one of the benefits of box squats, which we're not going to talk about today. But that's the phase of the lift. So just think of that every time and every exercise you're doing, whether it's an isolation exercise, like just a tricep extension with the rope, to a back squat. Focus on those phases of the lift. Now, number five, and this one is stupid important, and that is making sure when you're doing exercises, all exercises, but particularly those big ones, you are going through full ranges of motion. That means that joint is going through the entire range of natural motion. So for a squat, you hear quite often here, ass to grass, whatever, that is working from the standing lockout position all the way down. The hips go lower than the knees, as low as you can go. Coming back up with a lunge, it's a big lunge. That back knee drops down to almost touching the ground, making sure you're going through full ranges of mode. This is so important for a few reasons, right? Number one, if you don't have proper full ranges of motion, and from that we can even say proper movement patterns. Let's say when you do a squat, your knees are caving in, then adding extra weight to that is just adding more weight to an already not mobile, to a not properly moving and a not properly mobile joint. 
which is just going to set you up for a lot of problems down the road. Now, there's even evidence to talk about you know, not even having proper movement is even going to lead to not proper recovery. But for our point of view, full ranges of motion, you are going to get better muscle results. Think about it. If you're working on a back squat, but your range of motion only allows you to do a half squat, you are not going to be hitting all those muscles. You're going to be hitting all those joints. You're not going to be hitting all those tendons. You're not going to be hitting all those tissues that you want to build in their complete ranges of motion. And that just means you're going to get less than stellar results, right? So that's what we're talking about right here for this particular segment is the results are just not going to come if you are not doing full ranges of motion. So that means avoiding things like partials, doing half squats, half benches. Don't load up a weight. You'll see this is the, the best example is probably the leg press, right? You'll see videos all the time on YouTube, whatever, of a guy who loads like eight, 600, 700 pounds of leg press, and then he pushes it like three inches. That is just the ego getting in the way, and it's a completely really, really useless exercise, unless he's doing some movement for maybe three inches for calves, but that's not what they're doing. So that is going to be a very important thing. So make sure that if you do not have full range of motion in certain exercises, i.e. you do not have the mobility to perform a movement, particularly a weighted movement through its full range of motion and being able to stabilize it in those bottom positions that you spend a lot of time working on that, right? And you, there's different tools you can use. For instance, box squats could be quite helpful using a target um, using different, maybe using dumbbells instead of a barbell can help because sometimes if there's a, a slight impingement, sometimes just being able to move the angle around. But it's going to be really important that you get that full range of motion if you want the best results and the best injury-free results over time. Now, number six is the intensity. And this is where a lot of people fail as well. A lot of people just go through the motions when it comes to exercise. And the intensity you want to be working at most of the time is what they call, and especially when it comes to building muscle, is near failure. So you have, you know, you'll see a couple of mistakes in the gym. The first one is people, they, they, the, the other day I had a, a, basically one of the coach clients there at EOA, and he was benching, and I said, how many are you doing? 12. So he, he got to 11. I said, okay, one more, 12. I said, you know, give me another one. Give me another one. Give me another one. Give me another one. Ended at 16. So just... Make sure that the intensity is up there. So if you were going for 12 reps, that 11th and 12th rep should be very hard to get to. You're not going to fail. Now, the opposite is failure, where you'll see people go and they actually only go up maybe halfway and they can't make it and they come crashing down. You don't want to do that either. Failure is not something that you want to be doing in the gym. You should always, they say, keep one in the gas tank. But you want to be what they call near failure almost all the time when it comes to building muscle. Even on a heavier lift, if you're going to a strength program, we're only working on five reps maybe. That's still that number five should be pretty darn close to not. You make it, but you just, you just made it. So the intensity you'll see quite often is just not intense enough. So that's the biggest one I see is just intensity not being enough. 
So you want to make sure that you are tracking, whether through a book or through tracking sheets, you know, whatever it's going to be. Now, number seven is programming. Again, and this kind of comes down to kind of what I was talking about, number six. A lot of people just going through the motions. Most people in the gym don't have a set plan they follow. They're you're going to work out and you got legs and you got you get maybe you got legs, you got chest, you whatever it is you're doing, it's total body. Okay, I'm just doing total body workers, total body workers, total body workers. What's great, but you need to have a goal, a set period of in something you're trying to accomplish. So that is what programming is or periodization. That means a set amount of time where you are have a plan and you are trying to reach a goal in that plan. And the best way to do that is just through what they call block programming, which is where you look at a certain amount of time to reach a certain goal. And how you reach a certain goal is by performing your workouts or your what they call training. That's the difference between exercise and training. A lot of people just go to the gym and exercise. Professional athletes or even, even semi-athletes, you know, just people who are in the know, train, they don't exercise. And so I'm going to give you the three easiest blocks I teach this in my courses. I use it. We, we use it almost all the time with everybody because it works very well. And it's more of a linear progression. That just means, you know, you're, it's eventually it, the, 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 the weights might be getting heavier. The speeds might be changing. But a linear progressive program using blocks is you'll have a muscle building block or a hypertrophy block for people that like fancy words. And that might go for six weeks, eight weeks. Five weeks, depends. It doesn't really matter. You want to give it a bit of time though. Like I said earlier, you don't want to just do it for two weeks. It's not going to work. So you might have a muscle building block where you say, okay, for the next six weeks, I'm going to be working on that rep range of about 12. I'm going to be going for shorter break periods. I'm going to be really going for the pump because that, that pump is really what helps to create that kind of aesthetic muscle, right? That's the pump. It's called sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. That's kind of that, that puffier muscle look. But that's if you didn't do any sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, you would never actually get bigger muscles because there's my there's sarcoplasmic hypertrophy and then there's my cellar hypertrophy, which is kind of that, that really strong, like Bruce Lee, right? That's different kind of Bruce Lee and let's say Arnold Schwarzenegger. Bruce Lee was very, or my, myofibrial, myofibrial hypertrophy, where his muscles were just like steel tendons, you know, steel wires. But he wasn't a huge guy. Then you got Schwarzenegger on the other hand, who you know always talks about going for the pump. So the muscle gain phase, you will you can do a little bit of heavier stuff in there. That my myofibrial hypertrophy, which is in that three to five rep range. But for the most part, when you're trying to bulk, build muscle, like physically make the muscle appear and be bigger, so take up more volume, you are gonna be working on that eight to twelve rep range or that near failure, going for the pump. Now that could be 15 reps, doesn't really matter, but you're going for the pump. We'll say that lasts six weeks. Then you'll go to a strength phase where you're going to move the weights heavier, okay, but the reps down. So now let's say we're going to be working with reps of five reps, four reps, but with heavier weights than we we're using for that eight to 12. Not going for the pump anymore. We're just going for that more of that myofibrial hypertrophy, right? Really working on the tendons, working on the ligaments, working on just getting into that kind of that deeper sort of muscle uh, hypertrophy. And you might do that again for four weeks, right? Again, we're not going to do this quite as long because it's quite a bit heavier. It's more taxing on the body to a point. Your break times are going to go up to, you're going to take longer breaks because you need it. 
you can't do a set of five and then come back maybe less than a minute later and do another heavy set of five. Your body needs more time to recover so you can do it again properly. Where when you're going with a lighter weight, you're going for the pump, you might only need a minute break, maybe 90 second break, sometimes even 45 seconds, depending on your if you're supersetting stuff like that. We're not going to get into that today. So your weight's going to go up, break time's going to be longer. Again, not too many exercises in here, maybe four exercises total. Then you're going to go into a power phase. Power phase is usually the shortest one because it's very taxing on the central nervous system. That might be two or three weeks. That's where you're focusing. Again, not on higher reps. You're going to be okay in that three to five rep point. And you're going to be working, though, on explosive exercises. That, again, now we're moving into where we're going to focus on mostly just the concentric, the explosive part. So this is where you're going to be doing jump squats, med balls, maybe working on some Olympic lifting partials. Again, maybe three exercises max. So muscle building, so the hypertrophy, we might be doing six, seven exercises in there, right? Strength, going to be working around four, five exercises. Power, it's going to be probably about three, maybe even two. And break times, again, a little bit longer because you need to recover, but everything is done at 100% intensity. And that's the way it works. So you go muscle, strength, power, then you relax for a week. Not saying you don't go to the gym, but you might focus on more flexibility, a little bit of yoga, but it's called a deload week. It only lasts seven to 10 days, deload week. And then you start again, and all the weight should hopefully go up. So this time, your 8 to 12 reps should be a little heavier than the first time you did 8 to 12 reps. So let's say you were using 20-pound dumbbells for the curls back then. Maybe you're up to 22s now or 25s. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But you guys get the idea. Then you have what's called, you know, when I talked this about earlier, you have your isometrics and your eccentrics, and you can play with those. So in the muscle time, when you're trying to gain muscle going for the pump, this is a great time to use what's called yielding isometrics. That is where you are holding a weight in space and not letting it move. So give an example. So let's say it's a muscle building phase. We're doing bicep curls. Well, on my last, maybe I'm doing a two or three sets of bicep curls. Well, on my last two sets, what I'm going to do so I'm going to curl, curl, curl. But you know what I'm going to do on my last rep? I'm going to hold that at that top position. I'm going to squeeze my biceps as hard as I can. And I'm just going to sit there and squeeze and squeeze until I just can't hold it anymore. And it's going to go down. So that is what a yielding isometric is. Now, the strength, if you're, when you're working on strength, this is a great place to add. And there's two you can do. Obviously, we talked about the eccentrics. Eccentric phase builds the most strength because it causes the most muscular damage, which when you're building strength is a good thing. You damage the muscle. Your protein, your recovery methods are going to help repair that muscle, make it bigger. This is a great time when you're going to really focus on that slow phase. So in your strength, if you're doing bench press, it might be seven seconds or even eight seconds down, right? Then exploding up. Now, so focusing on the eccentric a lot in a strength block is going to be really important. But you can also play with what they call overcoming isometrics here, which is where you are pushing against an immovable object. And this is a great sort of training for working on weak spots. So again, I'll use the bench press as an example. So for most people, getting down is not a problem. Touches their chest and they can usually raise it about an inch or two, right? And then it gets stuck, right? It's just not moving. It's just not going anywhere because that is the weakest point in a chest exercise, a bench press, is kind of that bottom, that, that last bottom few inches. Usually, once you get it up halfway, you can lock out. 
So what you would do on this is you would say set up a bench where you have the bar set up so it's only two or three inches above your chest. But you sit, and it's sitting on the it's sitting on the hook, so it's completely safe. It's in the rack, and you load that bar up to four hundred pounds, right? So you literally cannot move it if you wanted to. And then you get yourself in position, you get your elbows set up, you get ready to go, and you push against that bar for ten, five or ten seconds as hard as you can. You push, 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 push. Pause. You know, again, take a break, a few seconds, and push, 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 push. Pause. Great time to work on those weaker spots. Again, you don't want to do this in the middle of your sets or the beginning, right? Because that would be messing you up. But on your last set of Benesates bench press, you're doing some bench this day, it's a great thing to do maybe at the end, that last set is do a little bit or do your three sets and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to finish off with a couple sets of that isometric overcoming. And then, like I said, for power, that's focused on only the explosive part. So, that is programming. It made it as easy as possible. Just basically linear programming. There's some fun you can have in there with speed days and stuff, but we're not going to get into that. But most people don't even do this. Most people don't even just do the three basics. Muscle, strength, power. Take a break. Repeat again and again. By now, I'm sure you've all heard of the amazing benefits of hitting the sauna at least a couple times per week. From decreasing chronic stress, boosting muscle, increasing deep tissue and brain detoxification, improving sleep, relieving pain, and even helping you live longer. And that is quite the list and that's not even close to all the benefits. But there are huge differences in the quality of infrared saunas. Differences that can literally make the difference between getting healthier or getting sicker. I mean, do you really think you can hop onto Alibaba and order some cheap sauna from some untraceable factory in China and expect it to be solid quality? I think we all know the answer to that by now. And this is why I suggest in investing in only the best infrared sauna money can buy. And these are Radiant Health Saunas, a trusted Western Canadian home sauna brand. Founder Randy Gom has completed third-party, comprehensive, 100-point health testing on his saunas, covering everything from toxic chemicals and fumes to electronic radiations. He has even made sure there is zero off-gassing, zero toxins, equal heat distribution, and uses only pure Canadian hemlock wood with the absolute lowest near-zero EMFs possible. Clean, even heat, no toxins, nearly zero EMFs. And the one and two person models can be plugged right into your existing home wall outlets. Costs about only 40 cents to run for an entire hour and there's a model to fit any size space you currently have. Believe me, I did a lot of research into choosing the best infrared saunas for my clients, myself, and my family. And Radiant Health Saunas is the clear winner bar none. And this is one of the best investments you can make to your long-term health. Check them out at www.radianthealthsaunas.com. And then once you know which model you want, simply tell them Roar Alexander from the Health by Design podcast sent you, and you will save $500 off any wooden model. Yes, you heard me right. $500 off any wooden model of their top quality infrared saunas. And now with that said, let's get back to Health by Design. Now, number eight. This, again, is so important. It kind of comes back to um, number five where I talked about full range of motion. A little bit different though, but this is mindful movement. Being at one, if you will, with every exercise you're doing, being in the moment. And there's a few ways to do that. Number one is by focusing 
on your breathing. Your breath work is so important. When you're doing that heavy squat, you get ready. You put it on your shoulders. You take your step back. You take your deep breath. Go down. Hold your breath. You're still holding your breath when you come up. And when you get to that near lockout near the top, the last third, you really hard. Focusing on your breathing is so important on every exercise. Having a focal point. A lot of people don't talk about this, but when you're doing exercises, say an overhead press, have a focal point that is straight ahead of you. Have an eye line where you're not looking all around the room. You're not looking everywhere. People are the overhead press. All of a sudden, they're looking up. No, just look straight ahead. Pick a focal point. Now, this focal point could change. Another mistake I see people make a lot is on the squat, whereas they move down and their back starts to sort of become more diagonal. They start sticking their head up, and that's basically, you know, they start to bend their cervical spine. You don't want to be doing that either. So you have a focal, that's a moving focal point, but you want to have a focal point. The beautiful thing about a focal point is you're not so much engaging in the focal point, okay? So I'm not worried about that brick on the wall I'm looking at, okay? It's not about the brick, but that focal point allows me to just have somewhere where my eyes are going to go. I'm not going to be losing my attention and I can focus on all the muscles that I'm engaging at this time and focusing on the muscles and focusing on the movement. An example of this that, that literally just happened to me a couple of weeks ago is I was doing um, I was doing an eccentric two weeks where I was just working on eccentrics and I was moving very quite slowly. I was doing about anywhere between 20, maybe 15 and 25 seconds down. I don't know. And this is kind of the point I'm talking about. And, you know, very, very slowly down. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, okay, lats are engaged. Okay, knee, feet are flat, toes down. Okay, push the knees out. Can I feel the hips opening? Good, the hips are opening. Keep those knees pushing up. I was focusing on the joint movements, focusing on the muscles. And then when I racked it, somebody came up and said, hey, like, you know, how slow? They said, what are you doing? I said, I'm working on an eccentric. They said, well, how slow are you? How many seconds? I said, I, I don't know. I don't know how many seconds I was doing because I wasn't focused on counting the seconds because that would have distracted me from focusing on the joint movement, focusing on the muscles. I was only worried about the muscles and the joints was hitting. Knowing I'm going slow, and that's why I said I'm 15 to 25 seconds. I don't know. It's irrelevant. 15, 20, who cares? But the point is, is that I was being very mindful of the movement, you know, scanning up and down as I'm going to, does anything feel weird, anything off? How do I feel? So that is being very mindful of movement. And that's so many things people don't do. And again, like I said, breath work is a big part of that. And finally, number nine, the last tip, which is the novelty trap. See, the problem is a lot of people go to the gym and you hear people all the time, they're like, they get bored, they get bored. So they love to chase novelty, um, always having to do something different. But novelty is not going to get you anywhere. What you need to do is you need to chase progression. And this leads to probably the most important foundation when it comes to exercise. In fact, this could have been point one, but I wanted to leave it to point nine. But don't believe that this is not important because it actually, most of my talks when I talk about training in the gym, the first principle that I go over is the principle of progressive overload. And this is what you do not get when you're busy chasing novelties, chasing trendy exercises, trying all these new fangled pieces of equipment at the gym that's new and fun. 
What is progressive overload? That is simply every workout should be a little harder than the one before it. Now, or there has to be some level of difficulty that is going up. Now, this literally doesn't mean every single time you go in, there has to be a, you know, a, an increase in weight or something like that. Okay, so I'm saying every single workout. But over your training block, like for instance, let's go back to uh, muscle. And I said 8 to 12 reps. Well, for the first, you know, maybe, and it was a six-week program. Maybe for the first six weeks, uh, for the first two weeks, we're going 12 reps. Then the next two, which will be week three and four, we're going 10 reps. And then for the next couple, we're going eight reps. So we're going a little bit heavier. And then for the strength one, maybe we go five reps, four reps, three reps. So you get the idea. Now, where people make another mistake um, when it comes to progressive overload is, and even the way I just explained it, a lot of people think the only way to progressive overload is by adding weight. And that is completely wrong. Anything you can do to make the workout harder is going to be a form of progressive overload. Weight is just the obvious and easy one. But it could be cutting back on rest times, provided that is an intelligent decision in your training program. For instance, if you're going for three rep maxes and you're like, hey, I'm going to do progressive overload. I'm going to cut my breaks in half. That is not a smart move because the next set is not going to work. But in a muscle pump workout, maybe, or maybe doing a superset back, back and forth quite quickly. And you haven't done that before. So it could be weight. Could be the time between the breaks. Could be slowing down your eccentric phase. Let's say you listened to me earlier. You do my, um, what, like 114. Maybe you go 116, right? Maybe 124, 126, whatever. When you're running, right? So it could be the length, how long I'm running for. Uh, could be the incline. Maybe you're just constantly running on a zero degree incline. So make it two degrees, three degrees, four degrees, five degree incline. The speed, right? You can obviously go faster. So how long I'm running for, the incline I'm running for, the speed I'm running for, even the direction. Maybe you just always do forward running. So now you can do some side-to-side -side shuffles and you do some retro running, some backwards running. Lots of different ways. You could tie up a sled or, you know, a parachute to your back and do some running with that, right? So it's that adding a load to the run. So you get the idea. And even in yoga, they talk about progressive overload. You know, anytime you go to any kind of yoga class, they're always talking about moving deeper into the stretch, right? And as you progress at yoga, you'll progress into the stretches and you'll get better. What does getting better at yoga mean? Well, at least here in the West, it'll be better at asana. Is getting deeper into those poses, being able to balance, doing better balance on that one foot, going deeper into whatever pose you're doing, holding your lunge, you know, your crescent moon lunge for longer. In yoga, right, you have going into a deeper stretch, you can have progressive overload working on balance. You could have progressive overload working on stability by holding that isometric movement. So when you do this thing, you step into a lunge, drop yourself halfway down, just like you do in yoga, put your hands over your head and hold it. That is literally an iso, and that is a yielding isometric exercise. You hold that for longer and longer and longer. So those are sort of the progressions you have in yoga. Cardio, I just told you those progressions when it comes to running, when it comes to swimming, whatever. And then weight training, you know, like I said, you have reps, you have sets, you can do an extra set, you can do an extra rep, you can go a little bit heavier, you can cut your break times down, you can play around with the phases of the movement, you can even play around and you can play with partial movements. 
So one of the things I'll do sometimes is I'll put a yoga block on my chest and I'll take advantage of the fact that you're heavier in the first half of the movement than you're on the bottom half. So I'll load a barbell up to what I can't do for a full range of motion, but I'll just do a half rep. Now you said, you know, I told you earlier before, you know, not to do, you should always do full range of motion. And you should, you should have the ability to do full range of motion whenever it's called for. But if you're working, say, on a strength aspect, and you're saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to do extra heavy on that half of the, be- the bar, comes down, touches the yoga block which sits about you know three to four inches off the chest so avoiding that really weak spot and going back up i might throw in one or two sets of those before i go into my normal um, bench presses so you get the idea right when it comes to progressive overload so you should be following like i said chasing progression always making sure that you are going after better results in the gym not just fooling around with novelty you do have to change up your exercises now and then you can't do the same ones we talked about that earlier with people just do the same same thing but again those are not massive changes you know bench press incline press maybe a decline now and then using some dumbbells instead of a barbell now and then maybe doing a single hand one but they're not massively different i'm not doing just this crim let's say okay i'm gonna bench today and then tomorrow it's gonna be only throwing things when the shot puts stop no so yeah, so novelty is something that you you want to add in a little bit, but it's very directed, very small novelty. So that's it. Those are my nine major um, mis- the things that you can do to have better strength training. Now let's talk about cardio. If I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this cardio, you should be doing cardio 100%. I've never met a physique model, bodybuilder, anybody's got down to you know low body fat digits without doing cardio particularly steady state cardio that's that boring low 30 minute 40 minute cardio stupid important when you want to cut your body fat level down but not just that having a solid aerobic base so that's what you get when you do steady state cardio you build a solid aerobic base is very important when it comes to recovery and even building muscle just because it delivers blood to the muscles and increases the capillaries Uh, It gets the heart stronger, the heart stronger, and put more blood better to working muscles. So you want to make sure that you are doing steady state cardio at least a couple times a week. I'd say two to three 30-minute cardio. Now, I'm not saying you have to do it on the treadmill. I would say don't do it on the treadmill. If it's the only choice you have, fine. But, you know, we live in Vancouver. It's beautiful here. Depending where you live, even when I lived in Bangkok, I I just did not want to go on treadmills. I would just go out on the streets. And they have some polluted air over there. And even Jakarta, right? I live there too. or ride my bike there. It's terrible pollution. But still, just making sure you get in that steady state cardio. Now, on the flip side, you have HIT, right? So basically, those are the two kinds that everybody's fighting about. Should I do HIT? And we got one, the, the biohacking gurus on this side telling you nothing but HIT. You got the other people telling you nothing but steady state. The fact is you should be doing both. They have different effects on the heart. In fact, HIT training, that high intensity going, going, going hard for 10 seconds, 20 seconds and pausing. Great for helping you build up your VO2 max. Trust me, if you just did steady state and then all of a sudden you had to do a sprint race, you had to go into something where you got to be fast, that steady state cardio, you're going to be really good at steady state. You're not going to be good at high intensity cardio. You want to be good at that anaerobic cardio as well, right? But that kind of cardio, what HIT really does well is it helps strengthen the beat of the heart. So steady state actually can make the left ventricle bigger. It helps the heart to hold more blood. 
where high intensity interval training helps with that beat so that blood pumps out blood harder. And when you put those two together, more blood and a harder beat, that's the, that is a formula for success to getting to a lower working heart rate and making sure that your recovery um, is just as best as it can be. The next the thing where people mess up, you know, the thing is, how do I add in cardio? I just don't have, I don't have two and a half hours to be at the gym. No, when you're in the gym, your focus should be on the strength training. So when you're in those four walls, your focus should be on strength training. You should try to, what's called concurrent training. You should try to, if possible, separate your training cardio and weights as much as you can. Now, you'll hear people too talk about how cardio, especially studies say, ruins your muscle growth. That's only excessive cardio. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. It's complete. It's a myth. We can call that even a myth if you want. Now, there's been studies that show basically doing steady state cardio up to 20 miles in a week has been shown to help people live longer, live better, increases health span. After 20 miles a week, so too much, it starts to go down. There actually starts to be diminishing returns and actually can start actually building up a lot of negativity. So, but up to that, you know, 10 miles, 15 miles, even 20 miles a week of steady state, even if you're trying to build muscle, is not the end of the world. And I would fi- I'd say probably, if I, you know, that 10 miles is a pretty, five to 10 miles is probably a good goal to have. Like I said, you would try to separate your steady state cardio, particularly from your weight training, if you can, just because it's a long time in the gym and, and the effects are going to work better. If you weight train, go home, do some recovery, then to have your 30 to 40 minute walk either another day so an opposite day so if you gym monday walk tuesday gym wednesday walk thursday gym friday walk saturday whatever can't do that then the, what you want to do is you definitely want to do your weight training always before your cardio you never want to do your cardio before weight training because that will just energy wise if you're a battery your battery will be low by the time you get to the weight training. And I want 100% of your effort being put on the weight training when you're in the gym. Now for HIT, that's a little bit different. I still prefer people. I think it's a better idea if you can still have your HIT on a separate day. For instance, in my program, I have a HIT Friday. But it's the summertime and I'm looking at getting you know, a little more conditioning up. You know, it's, that, it's, it's, it's international. It's global body fat loss season. So... Having doing your hit training if you want, and proper hit training though, by the way, is like no longer than about 10 minutes, and it's a hundred percent effort for about 10 to 20 seconds with a pretty long break, um, probably a minute to minute and a half break. McMaster research very interesting. The one minute workout is 10, what I tend to do, it's called the one minute workout. It actually takes 10 minutes to perform this workout, but it's only one minute in that 10 minutes of intense exercise, the rest is a low to moderate exercise, and that could be done after your weight training so especially me what i'll do lately is i'll do some weight training i'll do my finish up my weight training focus on that then i will jump on you know the um the assault bike you know the aerodyne bike or the heavy bag or just go in the the batting cage room or even just outside do some sprints so do that after but if you can separate your cardio particularly on different days different ends of the day so weight training day cardio night get the idea or Worst case, the high-intensity stuff is what I would suggest to do after weight training. So that is how it works for cardio. Don't be afraid of cardio. Don't avoid cardio. And make sure you do both kinds 
focusing more on steady state, building that aerobic system, which is your base system for almost everything you do, and throwing in hitting there once or twice a week. Now, next is abs. This is an interesting conversation. Uh, and what I want to talk about is the number one thing people do wrong when it comes to developing abs. You probably hold the art, you know, everybody has abs. And it's true, it's a muscle group. But when most people do abs, they're doing them kind of incorrectly. Either they're using the hip flexors, but that's not what I wanted to talk about today. But using the wrong muscle group, you know, so they'll do hip flexors. Quite often you'll see people, they find that they're kind of that, 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 that thigh, kind of like where the hip and the top of the leg meet, that tends to get more tired a lot. And when you look at them, you'll see, okay, well, it's because you're actually flexing your hip flexors. You're not flexing your abdominal muscles. But I want you to understand that the most, the most important thing we have to understand here is you want the ab muscles to engage. The abs basically will contract and they bend the rib cage towards the pelvis, right? Getting that rounded lower back. And that's what most people miss. Most people keep their back kind of straight. They keep their abs straight. And instead, they use their hip flexors or they'll use their leg muscles and just, you know, kick up or whatever. And they just miss engaging the abs. So that's the one thing. But the most important thing that most people don't do is they treat the abs like cardio. They do these like 10-minute, 15-minute hit sessions. They don't hit the muscle at all. But they don't treat it with the respect that a muscle that you need to grow. So how do you, a six pack is like this. When you see a really good six pack, you ever see a really defined six pack and it's like bumps, right? It's literally like valleys. You have a deep abs. And that is because what that person has done is they have engaged the abdominal muscles properly and they have focused on growing and thickening the abdominal muscle wall itself. So they become three-dimensional. Most people's abs are just two-dimensional. It's just a flat plane. You can't get toning if it's flat. So what you need to do is you need to work on creating those bumps, those peaks and valleys. Right? You watch the movie 300. That's the parts that they painted in there. You know, they had abs too, but you know, they added in a little bit of darker in where they separated it. It's that abdominal separation. And you do that just like you work on getting a bicep bigger, a tricep bigger, your chest muscles bigger, your traps bigger. And that is by focusing on progressively overloading and resistance training the abdominal muscles. So your abs should be worked in reps of five, six, seven, eight, maybe tens and twelves max using hype, you know, progressive overload hypertrophy methods. So that means, you know, you can if you have, can't sit up with, with just body weight at first, fine, body weight. But then when you can do that for 12 or 15 reps in, you add a two-pound plate, then a five-pound plate, then you hold a medicine ball, and you don't kind of you, you throw that medicine ball with your hands and yet the gravity and the, the, the force of the throw pull you up. No. You put it right under your chin, nice and tight, and you condense those abs, you push the lower back into the ground, and you sit up and you engage those abdominal muscles. So treat the abdominal muscles, okay, the exact same as you would 
when you are trying to build up any other muscle group. Don't do those constant go, 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 go abs. Now, next I want to talk about the importance of NEAT. So understand this. So many people, when it comes to exercise, they do this wrong. And they think exercise is all they need. So this is why we're talking about Because better exercise is it, 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 it's so important what you do outside the gym. And that is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. You go to the gym, you are only 4% more active. If you go to the gym one hour a day, seven days a week, you're only 4% more active than the person who doesn't go to the gym at all. Is that 4% important? Yes. Should that 4% be focused on doing that muscle building because of the recovery process? Yes, 100%. 4% is very important. But it's not all you need. You should be aiming to get in as much low-level, non-sweaty, basic, basic physical activity per day. Aiming for a minimum of outside the gym of 10,000 steps. So if you wear a step tracker and you wear it all day and you go to the gym and you come home and you just, as soon as you go to bed, you hit number 10,000, that wasn't 10,000 steps. Okay, it was, but... You probably did two or three thousand of those basic movement in the gym. So you really only did seven thousand steps. So I want you to focus on ten thousand steps minimum plus whatever it is you do at the gym. So I tell people this sounds weird, but I actually have clients take their trackers off when they're at the gym because I don't want that to count. So if I look at mine today, and I did wear mine at the gym, but I'm at thirteen thousand seven hundred and twenty steps about 2,500 of those, let's even say maybe even 3,000 of those were done in the gym. So I am above my 10,000 and it's only four o'clock in the afternoon. I will be probably tapping out at about 15,000 is my guess today. So on any day, I average about 14 to 20,000 steps on top of the gym. So make sure you get your low level physical activity. Use the standing desk, walk more. Just anything, but don't be in that 90-degree sitting position on your butt. Sit on the floor more. Do a little bit of yoga. Do some, just some really simple, basic stretching. Even not, not even stretching. Just some new sitting positions when you watch TV. Tonight, sit on the floor while you watch TV. Sit on the floor while you listen to this. Just sit down in a 90-90 position. I mean, just so many ways that you could sitting on the floor is probably one of the best things you can do for your health and even your mobility, which brings me to mobility because you might be saying, well, he haven't talked about mobility and flexibility at all. And the reason for that is because it's not done in the gym. Sure, when you're doing a warm-up, which we're going to talk about in the cool-downs, you can do some stretching. But all the stretching and the mobility in the world is not going to do anything for you if you're only doing it one hour, three days a week. This is where you mix your mobility with your neat. All right, so you're mixing your mobility with your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. You should be doing 10 to 15 minutes of mobility training every single day. And by sitting on the floor in different positions, you're already doing that. You're killing two birds with one stone. Sitting on the floor, you're, it's unlikely you're just going to lie there in a lump. It is not the most comfortable place to be. So you'll constantly be maybe shifting left, shifting right. Tap. You're going to be moving more just by the way it works. You're sitting on a Swiss ball, you're moving more. You're standing at your standing desk, you're going to be moving more. But having just a little mobility routine, something basic, anywhere between you know 6 and 10 stretches or just different positions you can do, is going to help your mobility and flexibility so much more 
than just doing it for 20 minutes in a, an intense part of your workout, you know, three, even four times a week, 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day, so much better than, you know, 20 minutes, three times a week inside the gym. So I mentioned warmups and let's talk a little bit about warmups because again, most people's warmups are just not that good. And in my courses, I teach a lot of courses all around the world uh, to professional fitness trainers, physiotherapists, everything. And I talk about the warm-up. The, the typical warm-up tends to be running on the treadmill, you know, a few of this, a few of that, grab the bar for the bench press, and I just do a few empty bar reps. No, that's no good. Warm-ups are so important, and they, they're not, it's not, a, it's not not part of your workout. It's not a warm-up that I work out. No. Your warm-up is a very important part of your workout. So your workout starts the second you start warming up. And you want to go through what I call a five phase warm-up and it can get deep i'm not gonna get super deep like i would in my you know my certification courses for trainers and stuff i find starting with a little bit of foam rolling and rolling out the bottom of the foot a little bit of that trigger point anything that might feel tight just getting a little bit of that roll i don't want to call myofascial release because it's really not but just kind of dulling that central nervous if something feels tight you roll it out it's going to dull that central nervous system message for a bit so allow you to go a little deeper into the movement it's going to allow you to prepare you know so i got tight hip flexors i roll out for a few minutes it dulls that signal i can get into the squat better so far starting off with a foam roll is a good idea and that's kind of phase one phase two is your general warm-up that is your running in a circle, running on a treadmill, jump rope, anything where you're just doing a gross motor movement for, you know, five minutes or so. Just get the blood flowing, get the oxygen. You're starting to breathe more. You're getting the oxygen delivered to the muscles. You're starting to get the, um, the fluid, the synovial fluid to the joints, all that sort of stuff. Because you don't want to skip the general warm-up because that's important because you got to kind of do that priming. That's why I don't really call it warm-ups. call it priming. So we've dulled the central nervous signal to some tighter areas. We've started to prime the body, warm it up. Then we're going to go into our dynamic stretching. So that's where you're going through those full ranges of motion. So that's where you're going to do some mobility work. And you can do some, you can do a little bit of static stretching here, more like like uh, some different deep yoga. So if it's a squat day, you can, you know, you can actually go into some good positions where you're going to be stretching out the glutes and just feeling good and just getting a lot more mobile. But you don't want to do a lot of really intense static stretching, but even holding a position for 30 seconds is fine. But you're going to be doing knee circles, taking the joints to full ranges of motion. Then from there, you are going to, once you're kind of feeling pretty good, feeling loosened up, then you're going to go into getting the central nervous system excited, getting the muscle fibers excited. And the muscle fibers that you're going to be working on that day a lot, the bigger ones especially. So in my example earlier, uh, let's say it's a Wednesday and I'm going to start with squats today. Then I'm going to do a few really high jumps or maybe some long jumps. I'm going to do something where I'm explosively, the, the hamstrings and the glutes, the calves are getting put through an explosive movement, right? And you don't want to do that a lot, maybe three reps to five reps a couple times. You don't want to do a lot because you don't want to tire out the central nervous system. But these are going to be a 100% effort. Then let's say you after the you know the squats you're like well today I'm going to be doing some and I won't do this all at once actually what I would do is I do the the squats there but maybe before I go and I move on to the bench press a little bit later I will take a medicine ball and I'll throw it a couple times or I might do it during the warm up I might do it before I start my first bench or whatever 
but you'll throw the ball in a shot put style or a chest pass to get the chest warmed up, get the triceps warmed up, start warming up the shoulders. Something explosive. Again, just a few reps. Um, the back is a little more difficult, but you can use like a strap on a sled and you just rip that sled towards you. But that is what's called it CNS, central nervous system priming. So you're priming the fast twitch muscle fibers. You're priming those muscles. You're waking them up. In other words, you're saying, hey, you're going to be put under a heavy load in a minute. You guys better be awake and at attention. Then after you've done that, then you want to do, you kind of want to do a little bit of isometrics to get the muscles stable and get them again, just ready to rock. So one of my favorites, a super easy one, is just pushing against a wall. Gets all the muscles firing. You squeeze the glutes. You can lower yourself down into the bottom of a squat if you want. And just say squeeze the glutes really hard. But doing a little bit of isometrics, again, is just it's a really great way just, again, get the muscle warm up, get them ready, get them woken up, and just kind of get this, the even the the smaller stabilizing muscles around the main muscle going, okay, there's going to be some action here soon. You get kind of the joints and everything primed. So that is how warmups work. And then cool downs. Everybody skips these. And again, it's, it's crazy because the warmup, you know, it's about engaging the sympathetic nervous system. The workouts, all sympathetic work for the most part. You know, you got the cortisol going, you got the adrenaline going, you know, all that. Then when it comes to cool down, you got to get the opposite. We got to flip that switch. And we want to shut down that adrenaline, shut down that cortisol. We want to go into the rest and digest. We want to downregulate the sympathetic nervous system. And we want to upregulate the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest to get your body ready to start feeding itself. Because it's going to start re balance your oxygen levels back. It's going to start to bring down your body temperature. It's going to start to cool down. It's going to bring down your heart rate. Uh, it's going to be ready to start delivering nutrients, right? Right after. And it's so simple. To do. It doesn't take long to do a decent cool down. It's all about breathing. So just doing some belly breath. Lie on the ground, on your back, put your feet up on a bench or something. And just put one hand on your stomach, one hand on your chest, and breathe in through your nose, nice and slow. And the first thing that you should feel rising is the hand on your belly. Okay, so that stick that tummy out, just get that big, get a big pregnant belly going on, it's okay. Then from there, the chest will rise. So it goes belly, hand that belly hand goes up, then the chest hand goes up. Then when you breathe out, it's the opposite. The chest hand goes down the belly hand goes down and you do that for about three minutes and then you continue by doing some static stretching while still focusing on your breathing this is why in every yoga class anywhere in the world you go they always finish with shavasana and you'll hear yoga teachers talking about all the time. They'll talk about, you know, everybody's all about the asana, asana, asana. Shavasana is the most important part of the practice. That is where you are. Your body's recovering. You're bringing back to the mind. You're preparing. You're getting ready. You're physically, everything, mentally, spiritually, physically, you are preparing for what happens after you walk out of the yoga studio. It's the same thing. When you're preparing yourself, when you walk out of the gym, you're setting the stage for all that recovery versus just working out, working out, working out, doing nothing, just stopping, hitting a wall and just going about your day. So that's it.
that is better exercise in a nutshell. So hope you guys like this. Uh, it was a great, I think, I think we answered a lot of questions. Hope you guys really enjoyed this. And yeah, I hope you guys continue to enjoy your training and that this helps you a whole lot. This has been the Health by Design podcast with Canada's leading healthy living expert and wellness architect, Roar Alexander. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to Health by Design through your favorite podcast provider. And then don't forget to join me at www.roaralexander.com to stay up to date with my latest blogs, speaking events, and exclusive interviews with guests from all around the world. While you're there, be sure to check out my coaching options to help you on your own personal health journey, set up your free call, and together, let's see how I can help you starting today. And until next time, remember... I'm here to help you live stronger, longer, and as always, better.